This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 707 with Vanessa Quigley. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 707. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Vanessa, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm so excited too. This is going to be fun. Yes. So your team reached out to ask if you would be a good fit for the show. And as I was reading through everything, I was like, yeah, obviously this is like, of course I want to interview this incredible mom and leader and founder. And then I was like, oh wait, she's the founder of chat books, which is a product I have used for so like 10 years. Uh, um, so I was like, this is like the easiest yes ever. So welcome, welcome. We're going to have a lot of fun digging into all of the things. And then I'll like share my experience, my lovely experience with chat books. I'm super excited to talk about I can't it. Wait. I can't wait. Tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh my goodness. You know, I actually haven't read my bio in a really long time. I bet it has changed. It's amazing. This, I always feel like you go through a really big growth year and you're like, things are going to slow down. Like after this, and they never do. And everything that you thought you could count on, like changes right now, my life looks really different because I have seven kids and I only have two that are living at home right now. Actually, that's not quite true. One of my college age sons is still in the basement. He has a dog and he's had the hardest time finding an apartment with oh. a dog. So two of them have fallen through. Last night he came back because another one fell through. Anyway. Oh gosh. Technically I have three kids at home, but but yeah, what does my life look like? It's crazy. When we started the business almost 10 years ago, I was committed to being home when my kids got home from school. My youngest had just started school full-time and I was able to go to the office and then be home and be with them for the afternoons. But as the business has continued growing and I've taken on more and more responsibilities, I have now transitioned to full-time. So I have a crew of people that help me in the afternoons with 
my, you know, teenagers who should be able to fully take care of themselves when they get home from school. But my youngest especially needs a little more guidance and a watchful eye. So we're trying to figure out this, you know, full-time working mom thing where I work from home mostly. So it's really hard to ignore the fact that I can hear them coming and going and yes. not practicing the violin or whatever. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just, just more of the same juggling. So relatable. It's so funny. Cause I'm also working from home and I'll be down in my office after my son gets home and he's 10 and I will hear snacks in the kitchen. And so like the first few things I'm like, cool, whatever. And then after a while, I'm like, now, like the snacks need to be cut off. Like I can tell that we've gone overboard with the snacks. And so yeah. to your point, I'm like, I'm supposed to be working. He knows I'm still working. He knows what he's supposed to do in that hour after school. And I just hear like more and more bags of things being opened and dumped and poured and bowls coming out. And, <laughs> and you're like, I know exactly what's happening. Yes. And then I'm like yelling, put away the pretzels. <laughs> oh, is he your oldest? Yeah. He's my only. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yes. So yeah. with having, you know, five of my seven kids be adults now and technically living oh on their gosh. own this summer, half of them were living at home, you know, during summer in between semesters and dealing with the comings and goings oh. of adult kids who like technically no rules apply to them. Right. 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 <laughs> it's a very interesting dynamic in our home. And my room is over the garage. So I could oh, hear geez. every time the garage door, even if they oh didn't go in the garage, I could hear them pull up. Right. So I was like all night long. Oh, 2 a.m. Hmm, I wonder what you were doing. <laughs> that was, that's like a whole nother phase of parenting. Yeah. That I wasn't prepared for this oh. like complexity and kind of like gray area of yeah. adult kids. Yeah. Tell us the ages of your seven. So my oldest is 27 and the okay. youngest is 14. Okay. No grandkids, but I do have three grand pups. So oh my goodness. I'm trying to make that okay. <laughs> make do. Yeah. I'm ready for grandkids whenever they are. And all single, no twins. Are are married. Oh yeah, yeah. All yeah. Two of my kids are married. All single births. Yes. Okay. 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 Oh my goodness. I'm just imagining, as I'm sure listeners too were like doing math on like, okay, like that's a lot of times to be pregnant in four, yes. in 14, 13 yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> was my oldest was 14 when my youngest was born. And, you know, I wanted to wait and start my family years and years after we got married. I'm the oldest of 12 kids. And so oh, wow. I had a joke that I had changed a lifetime's worth of diapers before I graduated yeah. from high school. And I was in no rush to have babies of my own, but I ended up getting pregnant three months after I got married. And so mm. once that happened, I'm like, all right, let's do this thing. I loved growing up in a big family and, and we're all super close together. And so I was just like, all right, bring it on. I was aiming for six. I got a seventh bonus baby. And yeah, he's the gift that keeps on giving. I say. <laughs> he's broken all of the molds and oh, it's wow. like starting from scratch with that one, but oh, it's all funny. Oh my goodness. Uh, so I love that you knew that you wanted to, I love that you were like, oh yeah, six was the number. Cause I've definitely never interviewed anyone who said that. <laughs> I'm curious, was your, uh, was your partner on board with that as well? And like, yeah, that sounds like a great number. Yeah. He's the oldest of three. I'm the oldest of 12. I agreed that we could use a little more structure and a little less chaos. And he wanted a little more fun and a little, you know, a little more and more. To, yeah. So we got yeah. six was perfect. Double what I he guess. had, half what I had. Although oh I gosh. do remember after I had my fifth, it was kind of a stressful delivery. And he's like, no more kids. I don't think I can go through that one more time. I can't handle it. And yeah. I'm like, wait, you can't handle it. Right. I'm, sure I'm the one that gets to make the call. Like childbirth totally. is so hard on him. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So funny. Very blessed. So tell us a little bit about, you said you started your business because you wanted to become, uh, you wanted to be a stay at home mom. You wanted to do something that you, that gave you the flexibility that you wanted with mothering, but also working and creating and building and growing. So how did you become, what was the route to becoming a tech founder? Well, it was very unexpected. I actually studied music in college. Oh, wow. I wanted to be a professional opera singer. There's not a whole lot of demand for opera singers in the world, <laughs> mostly in Europe. In America, it's hard to have a booming career and be a stay-at-home mom singing opera. But I found a little niche performing in community theater and with local orchestras. And I did a lot of singing and teaching. That was my work for many years while I was having my kids. I never, ever wanted to be an entrepreneur, never dreamed of being a tech founder. But I realized that I was having a problem as 
a mother. I was a diehard scrapbooker with my first kids. Mm. I felt like that was a really important job to be done. And I took it very seriously. I have beautiful, elaborate, detailed, comprehensive scrapbooks for my first couple of children. And as more kids came along, they were thinner and thinner. And then all of a sudden I realized with my seventh baby, not only does he not have a scrapbook, but he doesn't have a single printed photo besides the Christmas card, the annual Christmas card, mm-hmm. which you know he could care less about. I recognized I had this problem and I was using technology to share highlights of what our family was doing over social media. You know, we've moved around a lot. I have a big family. I felt like I could post a couple of the highlights of what our family's up to. And that was my way of keeping in touch. And I realized one night that that's actually kind of a scrapbook of our family's life. You know, yeah. it's not comprehensive, but it's something and something is better than nothing. And my husband, he is a tech founder and a tech entrepreneur. And I presented my problem with him. And my idea was, can you figure out a way to print my Instagram? And um, the rest is history. We kind of, you know, built a a prototype for that product and started the business with basically an app that was an API to help people who had been using Instagram as a scrapbook to print that and have something to hold on to. And then we've been evolving from there ever since. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So I remember, and you said that was 10 years ago? It was 2014. So okay, yeah, eight years. So A friend of mine, Jen, we met in a parent group when we had tiny babies, like three months old. And we must have gotten, it must, because I remember it was her that told me about chat books. We must have gotten together for dinner or something when our kids were two-ish. And I remember her telling us, she's like, yeah, so there's this thing. And when you sign up, it every month, it just takes the pictures from your social and sends you a book of them. And all of us, there was like six of us moms sitting there and we were like, what? That's amazing. And we were all parents of first time babies at the time. And so we were like, yeah, like we got to get that thing. And that was my introduction. I was like, this is so brilliant because you're absolutely right. Like the best pictures are going onto Instagram because (laughs) 
like from an ego standpoint, I'm like, I want everyone else in the world to see the best pictures. I'm not, I don't have time to make a scrapbook for my kid, but I want like all these strangers on the internet to see my best pictures. So that's, that was where they landed. And yeah, so that was my introduction to chat books and from this mom. And from there we, I started using them really regularly at the end of every year print. I would go and this must've started shortly after 2014 in December, going in and cataloging all of our best photos from the year and then gifting them in chat books to my husband for Christmas, like get a stack of chat books every Christmas. They do make the best gifts. That is for sure. Yeah. Well, it was really fun to watch the company grow. It did grow solely by word of mouth in the first year or so, because it was such a novelty. Like there were were children who had never held onto a printed photo of themselves because they were growing up in this digital age. And like you, I mean, I also, I was sharing photos to connect with friends and family, but we all know that as moms, we need a little pat on the back every now and then. And that was a way to do it. You could post, you know, some fun thing you were doing and your friends would say, oh, you're such a good mom, or that looks so fun. And your kids are so lucky. There was that element of needing a little bit of validation and there's nothing wrong with that. Right, right. Take that work that you've already done and turn it into something that you really want. And some people didn't even know that's what they wanted until they got them in their hands. Totally. And the like the ooh and ah factor of like, especially with kids, you know, the kids, they're the center of the world as far as they're concerned. And so to see a book featuring them on every page, there's nothing better. Yeah. My husband, what my husband loved was that, you know, the pictures, of course, but the captions from the photos carried over. And so, and we still have so much fun going back and looking. And typically now that my son is 10, he loves to go back and look at them and they reads like a storybook because the captions are all there. And like you sit at the end of the year and cry reading because you're like, remember when we did that thing? And it's not just the picture, but it's like, whatever, if I wrote something thoughtful, there's like something thoughtful written there. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you get that context, which I just think adds such a beautiful layer. So it's not just like throwing it into a book, but it's adding those captions that like, I don't have time to rewrite those captions when I go to print out something and through like another photo service. And so that was a super fun piece for us as well. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So much good stuff. I want to talk a little bit about what it's like being a mom and a woman in, in a the position that you're in, in leadership in tech, because there's not a lot of you. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I, like I said, I never imagined myself being in tech, but the world we live in, like tech helps us with so many things. And I think there is like this barrier in my mind. It was like, okay, here's an example. We'd been in business for a couple of years and I found out I had been nominated as a woman in tech finalist for our local women in tech organization. And I was like flattered, but also terrified because that meant that I had to go through this series of interviews talking about what it meant to be a woman in tech. And I had no idea what it meant. I'm just a mom trying to solve a problem and we're building software. And does that qualify me? But you did not set out to be like, I'm going to show everyone what moms can do in tech. Right. right. (laughs) Here you are. I will say now, like eight years, eight years in, I really see the importance of having, and not just women, but diversity on every level of a company is critical to making a successful company that is going to last. Because if you have a one-sided view of how to solve a problem, you're not going to serve the greater good. And I will say that there were a couple of years before chapbooks, you know, became a thing that my husband was trying to solve the problem of family memories and family photos with a couple of his buddies. Like some dudes were in a little room trying to, you know, solve the problem that families had and moms, you know, they're the gatekeepers and the decision makers in lots of ways of families and they were just missing it. Mm -hmm. It took me like a woman and a mom to speak up and say, Hey, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is how my brain works for our company to take off. And also like I can track just the success that we've enjoyed over the years is in great part to the diversity of our team. Like we need women at every level. Women are just different than men. We see the world differently. We have different experiences. In my experience, it's, you know, a lot of creative problem solving and empathy, which is so important in the workplace right now. You know, the world is a different place than it was 
um, 20 years ago. And especially as we worked our way through the global pandemic where everything was turned upside down and lines between family life and work life were blurred and everyone was working from home. I think that that was just like an inflection point for our entire nation and, and the world actually about how, you know, there are different way for us to work that might be better for all of us. And I think it's created a little more awareness and a little more equality. But yeah, women, we need women at every table where decisions are made. And, and I see organizations that are kind of floundering or, you know, struggling a little bit. And I'm like, you know, what would help them? <laughs> they had a woman in that room. They right. probably would have missed that completely. Mm -hmm. I also think having moms at the table, like I think that having women for sure is really important, but I think that having moms at the table is especially important. And one of the, and I would be curious because as a mom of seven, I think this might be especially relevant to you. One of the things that I think is a gift of motherhood that no one tells you about is once you have a child. So I have one child and I have had this experience pretty deeply. Once you have a child, you see how someone interacts with the world in such a unique way. And so he interacts with the world so different. Like there's similarities, but in many cases, so differently than I do. And so now I'm sensitive when I am out doing things with him, I'm sensitive to the ways that he sees the world and what his needs might be. And also what his gifts might be and all these different things. And so when you are seeing this through the eyes of seven children and you're seeing all of their unique needs, their unique gifts, their unique talents, the way that they show up that maybe they might need extra support. When you think about that and you're, that's the lens through which you are existing in your most prominent leadership role as a mom, then what does that mean when you go into a meeting, when you're sitting at a boardroom table, when you're sitting with a team of people who have different needs, different talents, different strengths. Yeah. And I think that that piece is so unacknowledged and so important when you bring moms into the conversation and moms into leadership. Totally. And I, this is so clear to me when my husband and I, my husband's my co-founder and, and the CEO when we are in the same meetings and we're observing the same dynamic, we're hearing the same words. And then afterwards we will kind of debrief and he has a completely different takeaway. Mm. And it's because he does not, he has not spent 20 years, 27 years of his life, like looking at life through a different yeah. lens the way I have. I mean, he's an amazing hands-on dad. He has great relationships with our kids, but it's just different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm the one who lays in bed awake at night worrying about all the things he, his head hits the pillow. He's asleep. Yep. Doesn't mean he doesn't care. It's just yeah. his brain works differently. So it's often, you know, it's very interesting to be like, huh, that's the way you thought of that. Well, did you ever consider this? And perhaps they're going through this and maybe it has yeah. nothing to do with actually yeah. that problem. It might be something totally different. So I'm right. glad that we get to work together and we really balance each other out that way. But you're right. Women. And when I say women, I am like moms. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting having my husband home since the pandemic started. He now works from home full-time, except for us. Like one I'm gifted one day a quarter when he goes into the office and I have the whole house to myself and I love it so much. And so he's typically right on the other side of my wall here in his office. And so I can hear him on calls at times and he'll come out and he'll tell me like something stressful that's happening or whatever. And my like mom response is always like, well, maybe you should just say that like that hurt your feelings or when he's like, yeah, we don't talk like that, <laughs> but I'm like, but why not? Like, why don't you talk like that? <laughs> like, and so I'm always giving him this feedback and he's like, yeah, like that's not the email I'm going to send. And I'm like, well, but I mean, it could be, maybe it should just because you're sitting around a table of men doesn't mean like, how's that conversation going for you? And where is it getting you? Like, maybe there's a better way to do things. I'm always joking that I'm like, you need to bring me in to consult. <laughs> No, he's lucky to have you. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. Where do you think that we can, or how do you think we can make more space for moms and for women in tech and as founders, et cetera? Yeah. Well, I will say that in general, the world has come a long way as far as supporting like maternity and paternity leave. I'm thinking about all the times I had my babies and yeah. my husband took a day off, yep. maybe you know, and I would have to get fly my mom in to help me for a week, fly his mom in to help me for a week. Our company has, I think, a very generous maternity and paternity, you know, benefit. We give four weeks plus eight weeks for recovery for full-time moms, and then another four weeks for paternity leave. And that right there is like giving you 
moms an opportunity to get a good start. Yeah. And I've heard of companies with much bigger budgets than, than we have a six months paternity leave for, doesn't matter if you're the child bearer or, or the partner. Mm -hmm. So I think that already we're seeing change there, yeah. but childcare, which is the hardest piece. And I'll say, especially as we're coming out of, you know, the pandemic, like when all the offices shut down, like our office completely shut down. Everyone went work from home. Our school shut down, childcare shut down. We were all at home with our kids trying to figure out how to do all of this. And it was messy. Oh yeah. But we may do until kids could go back to school, till daycare started opening up again. But it really, for me, it really highlighted like that disparity because yeah. It's not only is it expensive, but you know, you figure out how to make it work, but it's like a whole nother massive problem to figure out. And when the childcare falls through or your sitter is sick, like that is, it's a hard thing. So it's hard as a mom, because at least in our arrangement here in the Quigley family, like as much as my husband like pitches in, just mom's a soft space spot to land. Right. Yep. So yep. I, and, and I tend to take that responsibility on. So for example, the other day we, you know, both my husband and I had a full work day and our nanny wasn't able to get here early enough. And so he just assumed he's, I'm going to the office. You're going to take care of Declan, right? You're going to make sure he gets to baseball. You're going to do this. And I'm like, ah, I've got meetings. I have work to do. Like, you know, that's like, that is hard. And so figuring out how to help families with childcare. I know there are companies that give you know, some financial aid to help offset the cost of childcare. There are some bigger companies that have on-site childcare. I really think this is a problem though, that our nation, you know, needs yes. to address and like, on a federal level, because yeah. it's going to be hard, especially as single working moms. Like yeah. we don't have a partner that you live with that can like pick up the slack or help out. So, and I don't really know what the answer is, but it is just, it's really come to my attention especially with the team members that we have that have young kids, like it's tough. Yeah. I felt really lucky during the pandemic that I didn't have a toddler <laughs> and I watched out my window. Our next door neighbors did have a toddler during the pandemic. And while that their daycare program was largely open during the pandemic, what I watched happen was that on any given day that a certain room or a certain component of the program could shut down because of a COVID case or an outbreak or what have you. And so it, those parents were on call every day. It was like, maybe we have childcare, maybe we don't. And I think that now there's this sense that like childcare, I think if you had access to it was taken for granted before. And now we're recognizing that this childcare is so essential and can be on a moment's notice, you can lose access and it can be losing access for today. It can be for the rest of this week, or it could be for like weeks or months. And that inse that insecurity, I think is so compromising to families and to jobs and to mental health and especially to the default parent. So in your case, you're saying like, when your husband's like, you got it right. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. Like you want to be the default and the gatekeeper because you want your kid to come to you first for the hug. But then you're yeah. like, hold on, I didn't want to drive him to soccer today though. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I will say, even though we haven't figured out like how to address all of the issues with childcare, one thing that we, at least for chat books that we, that came out of the pandemic was realizing that like a nine to five schedule where everyone's all in the office and working synchronously is not doable. First of all, we've expanded our team outside of our local area. We've got team members all in every time zone. So, nice. you know, an eight hour workday is going to look different in New York than it does in LA. But also it allows, once you embrace that type of work environment, it allows families to do what's best for them. Like yeah. we have someone on our marketing team. He is an incredible single dad, but he, and he wants to be there when his daughter gets home from school. So he has shifted his whole work day starting at like 7 a.m. so that he can get in his eight amazing hours. That's what we talk about at Chatbooks. We just want eight amazing hours. And he's adjusted to make it work for his team and his family situation. And so I think giving flexibility to families like that, recognizing the need for flexibility, that was a you know yeah. a beautiful outcome from the pandemic. But as leaders, we can, you know, let go of some of those firmly held beliefs of what a work day looks like. Absolutely. And I think that we're starting to see, so I'm here in Seattle and I think that we're starting to see this in some spaces in Seattle and across corporate culture, this idea that 
like there was so many of our ideas around what work in quote looks like are really archaic. Yeah. <laughs> they were just built for a different time and age and space. They were built for a bunch of dudes who went to work and didn't ever change a diaper. And that was fine for them. But like, that's not the reality of who's actually filling positions now. Right. And honestly, as a leader, I want the best person for this job. And I don't yeah. care where they live or totally. what their marital status is, or if they have kids or, you know, their orientation, like none of that matters. And so to create a culture where you can allow and the best of the best to come work in a way that works for them and that works for your team, like it's the ideal. Executing that is actually really hard. Like there is a different dynamic from having everyone in the office all the time where you, mm -hmm. you get to have a lot of informal conversations along with the formal meetings. I'm trying yeah. to recreate that like in a remote environment and asynchronously has been challenging and, and we're still, you know, figuring it out. Yeah. But luckily we're not alone. Like a lot of the companies in our portfolio are tackling these same problems. So we've got a great network of other leaders that we consult with and talk to, and, and we're going to just keep getting better at it. Absolutely. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When we talk about the future of work, I'm putting this in air quotes because it's yeah. such a like trendy way to talk about work. But when we talk about the future of work, what are your hopes for the future of work as it relates to moms in the workplace? Yeah. Well, when I first was thinking about what work looked like, I was coming from the position of the primary caregivers, stay at home, mom, yep. my husband, you know, get up, put a suit and tie on, take off. Maybe he'd come home at night. Maybe he'd be on a week long road trip, you know, for work. It, I was the support, right? And I did not feel like the company cared one bit mm -hmm. about what the yeah. fallout was from all that yeah. he was giving to the company. And so when my husband and I decided to start chapbooks together, we we're, you know, super excited about the product that we were going to build and how it was going to make the world a better place. But getting the chance to build a culture in a company that supports families too was yeah. so exciting to say, you know what I hated? I hated how we're... <laughs> home one day when the baby was born, like I let's do different, you know, and you know what, I, I didn't like it when I felt like you had to work late into the evenings and on the weekends, like, let's not do that. Let's just find a different way to do it. And so being able to create a completely different culture and way to work 
at Chatbooks versus some of the other companies that he had worked at feels like a huge win. And then we also have been able to get validation along the way. Last year, we were awarded Fortune Magazine's number one place for women to work in the country for a business hour. I mean, that was kind of like a goal when we started, like, wouldn't that be amazing if we could be recognized for all of these innovative things we're doing? And we are constantly getting awards as people are recognizing what we're doing and our employees, we have such great retention and recruiting is, it's a breeze for anyone who, who cares about family and strengthening families. Like, great, that's what we're doing with our products, but it's also what we do internally too. So I'm super proud of the work that we've done. And I know that there's more work to be done and we're just going to keep at it. Oh my gosh. So great. I love, it reminds me of dating when I dated a whole bunch of people before my husband and I would constantly like have this kind of running list in my head of like, these are all the things I don't want. And that list just kept getting longer. Like that thing is gross and I don't want that. And that annoys me. And then when I met my husband and I was like, Oh, I'm like suddenly starting to make a list of like, Oh, I like that. And I want to make sure that I get that in a partner. And that list, like the list of what I actually wanted started to get longer when I met him. And I was able to really clarify and discern between like what I didn't want and what I do want. And that made all the difference. And I totally can see how you could go to your husband when you're deciding to build something together and be like, here's all the things that I've been keeping track of. (laughs) Like I don't (laughs) want. And what if we do it a different way? Like, here's all the things that would be really great. Here's all the qualities of a work environment that would be healthy and productive and creative and like, you know, position a team to be really successful together and create something that everyone has a lot of pride in. Yeah. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, she worked for us for years while she was still an undergrad and she knows very much how our company works. And she got her first full-time job with another company. (gasps) And after like a couple of months, she's like, mom, I don't think I can stay here. It's terrible. And it's like, it's a great opportunity for her to continue to develop her skills. But just the difference in the culture was so dramatic that she's like, I don't know how people do this. Like they do know how good it could be out there. Like, yeah. So that's also a little validating, but yeah, absolutely. My first job in high school, I worked in a doctor's office and the clinic was run by this, a woman, a mom, Karen, who had, she had three little kids and she was just amazing. And all I did was file patient folders. It was like super boring and easy, but she made me feel so important every day. And so then when I went to my next job after that in college, And I was working for this guy doing data entry and he never talked to me and he never gave me feedback. And it was so awful in comparison because Karen had like set me up to be like, we're going to tell you how great you are every single day while you file some folders. And then Ross was like, gave me nothing. And I really quickly was like, yeah, I don't ever need another Ross in my life. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. So yes, we're always keeping track. Can you talk a little bit about, so you talk, we referenced culture. And I would love to know how you create culture, what that looks like at Chatbooks and how you've worked on that intentionally over the last eight years. Yeah. Whenever I talk about Mm -hmm. culture, I can't help but go back. Let's see what year was it? 2003 when I had just had my fifth baby and I was losing my mind. My Mm -hmm. oldest was eight. We had a dog and a cat. And I was like, I need structure. I need order. I need these kids to do what I want them to do. And my husband and I came up with something that we called the Quigley Creed. It was basically something that we, you know, printed out and we put on the wall and we said, this is what it looks like to be a Quigley. We are kind, obedient, cheerful, and polite, right? Values that an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old could understand and hopefully like live up to then if if we could just have those things then things are going to move work a little more smoothly in our family and it was like magic it didn't mean that everyone always was kind and polite but we had a common set of values that we could refer to and talk about was hanging on the wall we could call out oh we still have the quigley creed hanging on the wall in our house it has evolved with teenagers it was up leveled a little bit right now. It is Quigley's are respectful, responsible, considerate, and kind because kindness never goes out of style. Right. But thinking about having a clear set of values that you communicate often was important to us when we started the company. We also distilled what was most important to us to a set of five values. 
And we let that inform everything we do from hiring to process, to how we interact with each other, to how we onboard and offboard. It's kind of like the North Star of everything we do. And I think culture is only as good as it is like real. Like you can't just yes. say that yes. you're thing. It has it's to be integrated. Yes. And so again, this goes back to like my husband and I in the very, you know, earliest Chapbooks team, we were small and mighty. And we kind of looked at what do we love most about working with so-and-so and what's our favorite thing about working with this person. And we picked the values that were true and real. So they're not aspirational. This is actually who we are. This is what it feels like to work at Chapbooks. These are the right. things that are most important. And so codifying that and clarifying it was super important. We actually have, I don't know if I have it with me right now, but we make a chat book. Every time we update our like culture book, we make a chat book and everyone in the company gets a copy. So you know, you've got it in your hands. You can look at it, you can read, you can see what's most important to us. And although those values, those like North Star values don't change, the norms about how you work those do change. So that's why we need an update to our culture book. The last update was after we decided to go from everyone working at home to a satellite office and doing this hybrid of working from home, working from office. We needed to update. What does that look like? What are the norms? You know, how can we be grown up and respect one another and, and be able to do eight amazing hours? Like those details change, but the values of being a grown up shipping. Okay. So the value is ship that grown up ship, amazing, optimistic, and kind. And then there's a secret value in the middle of the star. That's hungry because that, mm. you know, even though we've been at this eight years, we're not technically a startup. We want that hungry startup yeah. you know, at everyone's core, but those are the values, the norms change, but it's a lot about communicating and calling them out. Yeah. I love it. I do some corporate training and facilitating around like the integration of values into a, like into a team, into a workplace. And it's so interesting how much pride someone can take with values written on a wall. And I think this can happen in families and this can happen in classrooms and this can happen in at work where people, you take a lot of pride around like something really cute up on a wall and you're like, but how does that play out? And a lot of times it doesn't. And the challenge of like really integrating those things and what that really looks like and returning to those values and using them as a filter to make decisions. And it's so critically important um, and just such a significant piece that's pretty much always evolving, but right. should always be really central. So, and my tip for that is to keep it simple. Like I shared my success story of having our Quigley Creed with some of my friends and they're like, oh, I want to do that. And then they came up with these paragraphs. Right, no, no paragraphs. Inspirational <laughs> things. And I was like, how are you ever going to remember that? Right. Like, that's too much. So like, like yeah. let alone a seven-year-old remembering it. <laughs> exactly. And so I think the success that I saw in my family was just keeping it very simple yeah. um, and actionable. And the same in the company too, like our values, they are, they're very simple. They're very clear. We've got, you know, swag and things on the wall to reinforce that. I've seen other companies that have like handbooks of like everything that's important to them. And that's like, it's just a little harder to reinforce right. and be clear totally. on that. So simple totally. as that. Yeah. What's your advice to a mom who's in a job, a role, and maybe is not getting her needs met, doesn't feel seen, doesn't feel heard how any words of wisdom to empower her to use her voice, to step up, to show up and to be seen in, in a culture that maybe doesn't feel like it's making space for her. Yeah. I always go back to like the why, like what is most important to you, you know? And if you know what, if you know, what's most important. And if you're at a job that you're not feeling valued, if like doing meaningful work, if you're able to do meaningful work and that's most important then figure out a way to keep being able to do that work improve things, you know, incrementally as you can, but you at least know what's most important. But if you're, if what's most important for you, if you're going to spend time away from your home to feel valued and to be recognized and to be, you know, applauded for your effort and you're not getting that, then that's going to be the thing that you really want to, you know, try to change. Or, you know, maybe your current position is not able to do that for you and it's time to find another job. Yeah. So I think it's different for, for each person, but I mean, I, for me, it just goes down to like, what do you value most? What's your why? And I think having the courage to use your voice and say what you need and being okay with it, not being 
um, embraced. Like it's just not every job is perfect for everybody. And yeah, you might think yeah. that this is like, oh, if this one thing could change, everything would be perfect. Well, if this is the most important thing to you that you're this need that's not being met, like I promise you there's a better opportunity out there. Like yeah. Yeah. This is a great market to be looking for a job, honestly. So. Yes. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with a mom, with a, a client of mine and she's feeling not valued in her current work position. And she was like, well, I have like a two-year plan to get out of it. And I was like, two years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. I'm like, let's make this a six month plan. <laughs> like, You don't need to stay miserable for two more years. Well, and I will say as a leader, again, I'm sometimes blinded to what's happening. Like I have this top level view of yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And I am a naturally optimistic person and I assume the best of everyone. And so there might be somebody, you know, in a product team who's really unhappy and I have no idea. And I want to be better at recognizing yeah. that and like, and having, we have like a, a coach system where, you know, ideally we've got eyes on everybody and we've got a, like a pulse on it, but sometimes I miss things. And so right. if someone has the courage to say, Hey, this really isn't working for me, I'm not feeling valued or the way this process is happening is undermining what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm so grateful because I don't have eyeballs on everything. So it's okay. Speak up. It actually might make you the whole situation better for a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. It, no matter what, it will illuminate some things. So yeah. it will either illuminate things in the direction that like positive change will be made or will illuminate things in the other direction where you're like, Hmm, maybe this just isn't the right place for me. Exactly. And, <laughs> and just, those are both clarity, important. It's clarity either way. Yes. I mean, yeah. it, that's painful, but it is like, okay, this is not the place for me because right. if that's the way they're going to handle it, I'm going to go elsewhere. Totally. Oh my goodness. Oh, Vanessa, I could talk to you all day. So we're going to wrap up here in just a second. I want you to tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Oh, okay. I always kind of prided myself of being like the mean mom. Not that I was mean, but I was the one who was like, this is how we do things. And it's not the popular opinion, but you know, I love it. And that was easy. felt easier to do when all my kids were little and they were under my roof and they couldn't drive and they didn't have cell phones. You know, I had a little more control on them, but as our family continues to grow and they're out of my control and they're having experiences, which I don't, you know, I don't get to call all the shots. And, and sometimes we're going, you know, we have family members that are going through hard things that they didn't want to have happen either. You just, you know, yeah. life just sometimes throws you a curveball. but yeah. embracing all of that and not being ashamed of it. I think it's really important as women and as mothers that you don't feel alone. And so for me, sharing some of the hard things that we're going through, I feel like it helps me feel seen, but it also helps others be like, oh, it's okay. It's okay yeah. to have like, to struggle in this area. It's okay to have like a really messy room. Like I'll let you look right now. Do you see, <laughs> you see all that stuff? I work, therefore I do not get all to my ironing and laundry and returns. Like I don't have I it all it. together. <laughs> and I kind of feel a social responsibility to, to share that. But like, there's so much peer pressure to be perfect and to be a perfect mom and to have it all together. But, um, and even like to, you want your kids to fit in and you want them to have like, not to struggle. And so we feel this pressure to like, intervene and swoop in and like make everything okay. But like, there's no shame in anything. And for me, it's just like talking about the stuff that's hard, letting life be messy and letting my kids actually learn how to deal with hard stuff. That's yeah. how they're going to build their own resiliency that say they so desperately need to, to survive this world that we're in. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So good. Can you tell us where people can find you, connect with you, get chat books, all the good stuff? Yes. Well, to get chat books, download the chat books app or go to our website, chatbooks.com. You can follow along all things chat books on our chat books, Instagram. I'm Vanessa Quigley on Instagram and I host my own podcast called yes. the Mom Force podcast. We have guests answering some of the tough questions of mom life and just, you know, being there in solidarity. And yes. It's a lot of fun. So you can subscribe and listen to that. Awesome. So we will link everything up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Vanessa Quigley. We'll have everything linked to make it easy for people to just click right through. Oh my goodness, Vanessa, thank you so much for this. This was so valuable, so helpful. I know there was some nuggets in here that supported 
that will support moms in all sorts of different ways in terms of our mission in the world and finding our place at the table and having the courage to lead in bigger, bolder ways every day. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.